Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. We are in part four of a series that we're calling Encounter, Face-to-Face with God. We're taking a period of seven weeks to really dive into what I believe God has given us as direction for 2019. If you haven't been with us the last several weeks, I share with you on our vision casting service and we've reiterated it the last few weeks that 2019 is going to be the year of the encounter. We believe that God is is stirring in our hearts to encounter a deeper relationship with one another, to encounter a daily uh, presence with Him, a daily encounter with Him, to get to know who He is and allow Him to stir something deep inside our hearts. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of. This is not just a word for 2019, but I believe that God desires something new inside of us every day. And I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, don't settle just for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Don't settle for just allowing this to be your encounter with God, but daily pursue Him. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Search after Him. Draw close to Him over and over and over again. We are instructed in the Word of God to have that encounter with Him. 2019 is in fact going to be the year of the encounter, but I believe it's going to be a year of forming a new passion and a new hunger and a new desire that won't just affect this year in this congregation, but will in fact affect generations to come. This morning we're going to talk about a a face-to-face encounter. In fact, I've titled this morning's message, It's Wrestlemania Time. Do I have any wrestling fans? So growing up, my pastor's wife, you would never guess this. I mean, she was one of these full-fledged Assemblies of God ladies. I mean, the hair, the whole thing. This was her. I mean, love her, but this is her. But deep down inside, she was a WrestleMania nut. She, what do you guys remember the 80s, right? I mean, we were all about Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giants. I mean, these guys were the, the rock stars. We loved watching these guys on television. But this morning, I want to look at a, an occurrence in the Bible, a wrestling moment, a WrestleMania encounter that we see taking place in the Bible. A man by the name of Jacob, in fact, had a Hulk Hogan encounter with God. I'll explain that in in just a few moments. But when I say the word wrestle, what comes to mind? For some of you, it's, it's a high school wrestling match. Maybe, maybe this was you in high school, wrestling with, with other opponents and, and trying to be the champion in that moment. Maybe for you, I say wrestle, and you remember back when your kids were really small and you would wrestle with them and you would, you would pounce them on the bed and you would look to be the victor and they're like, ah, you right? Any, any dads in the house? 
Did any of you dads ever break your son? I did once. But then, fortunately, a bunch of guys in church said, yeah, when my son was out of age, I broke his collarbone. When he was out of age, yeah. It's what we do. Not on purpose, but it happens. WrestleMania, we, we love to wrestle with our kids. Or this one. Hulk Hogan, yeah! I mean, the 80s were jam-packed with wrestling moments. I remember growing up in a small town of 3,704 people. We had a moment in our high school gymnasium when we brought professional wrestlers in. It was awesome. I got to work backstage. I mean, we were going in and out the back doors. It was super amazing. But this morning, I want to look at this moment of a man by the name of Jacob that had a WrestleMania moment with God. It wasn't a planned wrestling event. It wasn't one of those events that he had flyers up all over town and he, he sold tickets and he raised money for missions. No, that, that wasn't what this was. This was an unexpected encounter with God. In, in fact, our text is in Genesis chapter 32. And it says, So Jacob was left alone, and then a man wrestled with him until dawn. Now, I'm told that wrestling is one of the oldest sports known to man. In fact, a discovery was made in Egypt, and it revealed something very interesting. The discovery was an ancient scrap of papyrus with Greek writing describing, describing a wrestling match. The manuscript dated back to 200 AD and is the oldest recorded document concerning the sport of wrestling actually mentioning the Olympic Games. Now, wrestling, any, any wrestlers from high school, it is pure exertion. I mean, when you're done wrestling, I, I never wrestled um, in, in high school. I'm, I'm sure you're surprised by that. <laughs> you guys were like, man, he knows everything about it. Look at that physique, yes. Round is a shape. I am in shape. It's, it's okay. But I'm told that wrestling is pure exertion. Every muscle in your body is drained. But what I want to look at for the next few moments is when God chose to enter, enter a wrestling match with this man by the name of Jacob. Now this wasn't a death match. This wasn't a tag team experience. But this was a, a challenge for Jacob. Amazing transformation occurred in Jacob's life that very night. In fact, I want to read the occurrence to you in Genesis chapter 32. Beginning at verse 22, it says this, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and by the way, there, right, right there, there's the, the wrestling issue. I'm just saying, four wives. Let's move on. He took his two wives, his two servant wives, his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone. Look at your neighbor and say he was by himself. He was all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. 
When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Now look at that. He touched his hip and it popped out of socket. That's a mighty touch, right? That's, that's more than an Andre the Giant touch. It kind of reminds me of a time when Pastor Ryan and Pastor Andy were together. And, and Pastor Ryan simply gives tender little Pastor Andy a hug. And I'm not making this up. He cracked his rib. True story. I'm, you can't make these things up. The boy is tender. But in that moment, God is wrestling with Jacob. Should we reenact that, get Ryan up here? No? Okay, maybe next week. So here they are. Jacob is wrestling with God, and suddenly God reaches down, and he touches his hip and takes it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Come on, hold on to that. We're going to dive into that in just a minute. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. For now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God's God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the, tender near, the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when a man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. For the next few moments, I want to look at what happened that night. What happened in this unexpected encounter with God? Four observations that I see occur. Number one is this. When you are desperate and alone, remember God is close by. When you are desperate and alone, remember God is nearby. There are some of you in the house today, you've walked into this place and you're desperate and you're alone. You feel like no one else is around. You feel like no one else understands. You don't feel like anyone else really even cares. But what I want you to grab a hold of is God is close by. Look at this. Verse 13, Jacob stayed where he was for the night, he had sent his wives, his family, and the rest of his camp across the river. And in verse 24, it says that Jacob was left all alone. Now, we could pass this verse up, and we could say, well, it's, it's really insignificant. There's no great importance in this. But I would venture to say that, that we need to dive in just a little bit because we can learn something about this man that was left all alone. You see, all of the things that he previously depended upon, 
all the things that he valued, all the things in life that he treasured are now gone. And there Jacob is all by himself, all alone. But I want you to know when you're desperate, when you're all alone, God is nearby. Suddenly a a man came and wrestled with God, who, or with, with Jacob, who is this man? It's, it's God. God chooses to show up in Jacob's situation. So here we have Jacob, which we will learn more about throughout the morning, wrestling with God himself. Talk about an unexpected encounter. But remember, Jacob's not alone. He's face to face with God. Here's what I'm learning from this. Solitude with God is important. It's vitally important that we we fellowship with one another. We need to sharpen one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We, We need that time building in our relationships. But it's vitally important that you take the time to get alone with God. Matthew chapter 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. It's vitally important that you find that time. If you are not taking the time to have a daily encounter with God, you're missing the points. Jesus didn't die on a cross just so we could gather on a Sunday morning. Jesus didn't give himself for you and for me just so that we could hang out and have something to do on a snowy Sunday morning. But he came to have a daily encounter with you. So here we have Jacob. All his life he had manipulated situations. He had maneuvered circumstances and people to get what he wanted but now he finds himself in the camp all alone everything else has crossed the river everything else that he's depended upon is now gone here he is by himself alone in the darkness of the nights this reflects the darkness of the situation that he was in he thought that he was all alone but then In the midst of his desperation, in the midst of his loneliness, God shows up. How many of you appreciate that God dives in in the midst of our loneliness? Simple statement, full of significance. A man wrestled with him until dawn. A battle for the soul, a battle back and forth for authority, for superiority, for control of Jacob's life. That's all that Jacob wants. If he can just manipulate the situation once again, everything will be great. This is what he's always done. This is what he always has known. He struggles all night long. He holds on, refusing to submit until it's absolutely unavoidable. The Lord reaches out and touches his hip and dislocates that hip. 
Now, a doctor will tell you that it takes immense force to dislocate a hip. There's long-term consequences as a result. God touches Jacob's hip. He is rendered defenseless, and yet even in defeat, he will not let go. He holds on. See, if he must submit, if he must admit defeat, there's one thing that he wishes, there's one thing that he longs for. Would you bless me? He wants a blessing from the champion. Jacob refuses to let go. He will only release his grip if the blessing follows. And I began to think about that, and I thought, are we that determined? Are we willing to hold on until the blessing arrives? So often, what do we do? We, we throw in the towel. We give up. I'm tired of wrestling. And I've been doing this since middle of the night, and here the sun's coming. I'm tired. I can't wrestle anymore. I can't do this any longer. But what I, what I want you to know is when you're desperate, when you're alone, God is so close. Just hold on. Just hold on. Don't give up. Are you willing to hold on until the blessing arrives? You see, what follows will change Jacob's life forever. The second thing that I see is this. Sometimes God has to dislocate you in order to relocate you. Sometimes God's got to dislocate you in order to relocate you. The truth is that for all of his life, up until this moment, Jacob had been struggling with God. He had been struggling against God's will. He had been struggling against God's plan for his life. He had been struggling against God's timing of events. He had been struggling with God all of his life to let go He'd been struggling to allow God to have full control. He had manipulated and maneuvered people and situations, trying to speed things up, trying to make things happen. Wow, how often do we do that? Oh, God, I, God, I don't really need you in this moment. I, I got this one. How's that working out for you? See, Jacob had had a lifetime of manipulating situations. He thought that he was in control. Jacob thought that he had everything under control. He probably even thought that that night was under his control. After all, he had sent his family away. He was in the camp all by himself. It was all his responsibility. He was in control. He held on to the Lord. He refused to let go. But think about this. The truth is that God had taken the initiative from the very beginning. In verse 9, it says this, Jacob speaking, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives. It was God that told Jacob to head home. It was God that set Jacob on this journey. It was God that had brought him to the valley of Peniel. It was God that set up this WrestleMania moment. It was God that set up this face-to-face -face encounter with the living God. 
God had awakened a hunger inside Jacob's hearts. A longing and a desire to head home. Now following this all-night wrestling match, Jacob is given a reminder of the encounter. His hip has been dislocated. You see, sometimes God has to dislocate you in order to relocate you. Jacob is left with a limp. And the odd thing about wrestling with God is, yes, God will bless you, but sometimes you may be left with a limp as a reminder of what's occurred. How many of you in the house today say, yeah, sometimes I need a reminder? Sometimes we need that situation. We need something to to take place to remind us. It was Paul that said, would you take away this thorn in my flesh? And we don't know exactly what that was, but he cried out to God, and what did God say? Yeah, I'll remove it. No. No, I said, here's the deal, Paul. My grace... It's sufficient. We don't know what that, that limp was that Paul had. We don't know what that dislocated moment was that Paul had. But what we do know is God's grace is sufficient. And here we have Jacob suddenly walking with a limp. The odd thing about wrestling match with God is he will bless you, but he may leave you with a limp. It's desperation. It's crying out to Him. It's pressing in, longing for the blessing of God. The notes in one of my study Bibles says this, but it was the process God, in the process, God injured Jacob's hip as a reminder that Jacob must no longer walk in his own strength, but must rely entirely on God to direct his steps. Come on, let that sink in for me. Look at this. In the process, God injured Jacob's hip. They were wrestling. They were in the moment. And I, and I kind of picture Jacob going to town here, and he's got God held up, and God goes, beep, and touches his hip. So he injured Jacob's hip as a reminder that Jacob must no longer walk in his own strength. Jacob had been living his life in his own ability. He had been living his life manipulating the situation. He'd been living his life, we're going to find out in a moment, as a deceiver. Not in his own strength, but he must, 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 must. Look at your neighbor say, he must. He must rely entirely on God to direct his step. Every limp comes from a story of wrestling with God. You can keep running. You can keep avoiding. You can keep manipulating the situation. Or you can come face to face with God right here and right now. And God will meet you here. You see, when you're desperate, when you're all alone, God is so close by. He just longs for you to call out to Him. The third thing that I see is this. Oftentimes, your blessing will follow your persistence. Are you persistent with God? Do you have a desire to really press in? 
Is it always easy? No, I tell you what, by morning, by daybreak, Jacob was exhausted. I don't know how long a high school wrestling match is, but I I venture to say it wasn't an all-night event. I venture to say it's just a short period of time, maybe 10 minutes or less. Any wrestlers, come on, somebody help me out. Six minutes. Could you imagine that being all night long? He was exhausted, but the Bible says he would not let go. He held on. Look what he said in verse 11 to 12. I I love the sincerity in Jacob's prayer, the desperation in his prayer. He says, oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and my children. But you promised me I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore, too many to count. Have you ever been brutally honest with God? And I've had people tell me, oh, well, I couldn't, I couldn't be that honest with God. Why not? He already knows. It's not like you begin to be honest with God, you begin to share, and he's like, can you believe what they're thinking? No, he already knows, and he just wants to have that conversation with you. God, I'm scared. God, everything is raging against me. But Lord, I'm going to stand upon your word. God, I'm going to rely upon you, God. You told me you will never leave me. You told me you will never abandon me. You told me that you're always there, that you'll guide my step. You told me that you're concerned about every detail of my life. You told me to cast my cares upon you because you care. You said on the cross, it is finished. I'm standing upon your word. I'm desperate. I'm all alone. God, I, I need you. you. See, oftentimes your blessing will follow your persistence. That's what Jacob did. He stated his concern, but he stood on the word of God. Now, fast forward a few hours. We see the end of this all-night WrestleMania encounter. God touches Jacob's hip. And then God says to Jacob, let me go. It's almost, I love this. I actually chuckled when I, when I read this. It's almost like Jacob is waiting for God to cry uncle. Come on, anybody else? Say uncle, say uncle, say uncle. And that person can't breathe any longer, but you want them to say uncle? So, so Jacob is wrestling with God, and, and God says, let me go. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. See, persistence is followed by the blessing. How persistent are you with God? But here's what I find interesting. This is not the first encounter that Jacob had with God. This is the first WrestleMania that he had with God. 
but not the first encounter. In fact, if you go back to chapter 28, we read that God appeared to him in a dream. And in that dream, God began to lay out the blessing, including God's protection and his presence and his provision. By the way, that first encounter, are you ready for this, occurred at Bethel. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have the, the encounter with God's protection, presence, and provision than wrestling. <laughs> no, that, that first encounter, that first presence of God occurred at Bethel. May we too have an encounter with God at Bethel. During this wrestle encounter, Jacob reminds God of the first promise. God, you promised to protect me. God, you promised for your presence to be with me. God, you promised for provision. He cries out to God in the midst of his fear. He presses in. He holds on. He's persistent, waiting for the blessing. Let me ask it again. Are you willing to hold on until your blessing arrives? Are you? Or is it easier just to post out on social media, my life is horrible. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm going to eat worms. Right. How often we just we throw it out and say, there's no hope. All hope is gone. I'm tired. My hip hurts. The older I get, I understand that. <laughs> it gets worse. Thank you for that, that word of encouragement there, brother. I do not receive that as a prophetic word because it does not line up with the word of God. <laughs> Where was I? I have no idea. Are you willing? Are you willing to hold on? No matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how much that hip hurts, no matter how large the limp is, no matter how difficult it is to walk, are you willing to be persistent to pursue the blessing of God? fourth thing is this sometimes God has to change your name to change your purpose sometimes God has to change your name to change your purpose Jacob that was his name that what he'd always been called everybody knew him as Jacob that's what everyone called him but suddenly, in Genesis chapter 32, it says this, Your name will no longer be Jacob. For now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Now, a lot of thought goes into naming your child. I was just talking to Justin and Tiffany before church, and they found out they're going to have a, a bouncing baby boy. Yeah. 
I asked him the name, and they gave me the name, and it's a cool name. It's a, it's a name that reminds me of like an old 1940s name. I, I would call him C.E.R. Baker. I don't remember what C.E.R. stood for, but it was really cool sounding. We put a lot of thought into names. We want the name to be unique. We want the name to be special. We want it to all flow together, the first, the middle, and last name, even though we're never going to use that unless a child's in trouble. But in today's culture, we change the name, or we could change your name, with filling out just a few forms. But in the Bible times, a name was vitally important. It often described the person's character. It often described something important about their traits. Jacob, that was his name, it meant deceiver or heal. How would you like to be called deceiver every day? Hey, deceiver, come here. Come on, heal. Come on. That was who he was, but guess what? That's what he lived up to. His life was one big deception. One manipulated moment after another. Here's what I've discovered. Many of you in the house today, you've allowed society to give you a name. Now, they may not verbally call you that, but it's something that describes your nature, something that describes your actions, something that describes who you are or what you've done or where you've been. The Bible tells me that when we give our lives to Christ, we're no longer the same. He changes us. We're called by a a new name. Set with a, a new purpose. Because of the name that he was given, Jacob became a deceiver. It matched his reputation. He cheated his brother. He cheated him out of his birthright. He swindled his father, Isaac, into blessing him rather than Esau. When Isaac and Esau uh, realized uh, regarding the trick of what happened with Jacob, Jacob fled to his uncle's home. Continued to live in deception. Nothing good was going to come out of this man. He's just a heel. He's a deceiver. But much like Jacob, our sinful nature has no hope by itself. See, apart from God, there is no good in us. Jacob was doing everything he could to run from God. Jacob was doing everything he could to try to mold and shape the situations to make it the best for Jacob. Deceived whoever he could. But guess what? I believe he also deceived himself. We deceive one another. But I find it interesting here that that God asked Jacob what his name is. Did you notice that? It said, and the Lord asked Jacob, what is your name? 
Did God really have no idea who he was wrestling with? Was it like God's walking along and he's like, huh, there's some guy all alone. Look, he looks desperate. He's already sent his family across. Oh, let's wrestle. And he gets into this wrestling match. And he's like, oh, dude, I haven't even asked your name. No, I believe that God knew exactly who Jacob was. But here's what I find interesting. I don't really believe that Jacob knew who Jacob was. Jacob thought that he was a deceiver. Jacob thought that he was a heel. You see, before God could really change Jacob, Jacob had to come to the place of knowing where he was. I've said this many times before, you can never get to a new location until you realize the origin of where you are currently. Jacob, in order to become what God has called him to be, in order to change from a, a deceiver and a heel into what God had in store, Jacob had to realize where he was and what was occurring in his life. So God says, what is your name? Now, as far as we understand the book of Genesis, the last time that Jacob was asked that question, he was standing before his father pretending to be his brother. He had fake fur on his arm, so he was hairy like his brother. He had prepared a meal. He was wearing his brother's clothes. So the last time he was asked, who are you? He lied about this. He deceived his own dad. Was Jacob going to continue to live up to this name of a deceiver? Or was he ready to truly change? I ask you this morning, are you tired of living according to the name of what everyone else is calling you? Oh, he's just a cheat. Oh, he's just an addict. Oh, they're no good. Oh, they're a wild child. There's no hope for them. What is it that society has deemed as your name? Are you willing to change, to let God change you today? Are you willing to hold on tight, to not let go, to persist, to push forward, to pursue the very presence of God? You see, when the wrestling match came to an end, God renamed Jacob. No longer was he a deceiver. That's good news. That's good news for us. The moment we have that encounter with God, no longer are we the same, but suddenly we're changed, we're transformed, we're renewed in the very presence of God. No longer who we used to be, but now we are who God calls us to be. No longer is he a deceiver. No longer is he a heel, but he's renamed Israel, which means God fights. A new name a new calling, a new purpose. See, sometimes God needs to change your name in order to change your purpose. Jacob's new name attests to a new standing before God and before people. 
this great encounter forever changed who Jacob the, the deceiver was. He's now Israel. God strives for him. God fights for him. His new name also becomes a challenge to live up to. Here's what I see. We've got a new walk. This is your choice today. As you encounter the presence of God, God wants to give you a new walk. Jacob had a new walk. He had a new walk physically. He had a new walk spiritually. God has set him on a new path. No longer a walk of deception. No longer a walk of manipulation. No longer a walk of sin. But now it's a walk. Are you ready for this? A walk of forgiveness and a walk of grace in the very presence of God Almighty. God wants to give you a new walk today. The second thing is a new relationship. God restored his relationship with Jacob, but also with his brother Esau. Maybe there's a relationship that needs rectified in your life today. God wants to set you on that path. The third thing is a new blessing. Jacob had deceived his father Isaac into blessing him. There was no deception in this blessing. This blessing did not rely upon an old man being blind or even being confused with animal skin or even the taste of food or the smell of his brother's clothing. This blessing relies solely on the grace and the mercy of God Almighty. The old blessing was stolen, but the new blessing is freely given. The blessing that God wants to pour upon your heart today, the blessing that God wants to give to you today is not one that you've got to manipulate in order to get. It's not one that you have to deceive in order to get, but it's a blessing that is freely given for you and you and you and you and you and you today. God's got a blessing. Are you willing to press it? Are you ready for a new encounter with God? Are you ready to allow Him to change the course of your life? If so, it's time to hold on. It's time to press in, even when things get difficult. Why? Because the blessing of God is right around the corner.